Moral superiority won't fix the crisis at the border or anywhere else. Is that really the plan? Quote, An epoch which had gilded individual liberty so that if a man had money, he was free in law and fact. And if he had not money, he was free in law and not in fact. An era which had canonized hypocrisy so that to seem to be respectable was to be. End quote. John Galsworthy, The Foresight Saga. Joe Biden told a bedtime story about the border. It was secure, he said, but more importantly, those in charge were now humane, not like the previous administration's barbaric practices. It was a good story. His supporters believed it. Then he closed the storybook, turned off the lights, and they all went to sleep. When they awoke, Governor Ron DeSantis had sent 50 migrants from Venezuela to Martha's Vineyard, the home of his former boss, Barack Obama. They were refugees fleeing socialism, for a paradise only capitalism could have built. Martha's Vineyard has around 11,000 residents with an average income of 132,000. How better to arrive on American soil and into the open arms of people with signs in their windows that declare their support for migrants? Farmers' markets overflowing with the abundance of organic produce. When you get off the ferry, it's amazing. The rest of the world kind of just dissipates. For a lot of people, that's what they're looking for when they come to the Marcus Vineyard. The beaches here up island are some of the most spectacular places you can imagine. You have to hike sometimes, and you come through a clearing, and you're upon some of the most beautiful places you've ever seen. The outdoor world is fabulous, going kayaking or just walking on the beach. There's a lot of fabulous restaurants and businesses to shop at. We have five towns here, and each town is so unique in and of itself. There's the whaling history of Eggertown, but then there's the cottage and the campgrounds in Oak Bluffs. I mean, I hate to use the word utopia, but it is. It's beautiful. It's natural beauty. It's the best of everything. Seafood, frozen yogurt and green juice, Pilates studios and meditation centers, and everywhere you look, an electric car. They care about climate change here. Fine wines, expensive cheeses, bed and breakfasts, and did you know they filmed Jaws here in 1975? But just as quickly as the migrants had arrived, they were whisked off the island by the National Guard. Though they wouldn't activate them on January 6th, even knowing the crowd might become violent, they didn't blink ordering them to Martha's Vineyard. It makes you wonder whom they most fear, Trump supporters or migrants from Venezuela. If they could not find homes or jobs for just 50 migrants... Imagine what it's like in a border town where they're taking in 5,000 a day. Does that make what Ron DeSantis did right? I guess the better question would be, what else should he have done? Only an event the press could not ignore that blue check Twitter would use to showcase their own moral virtue would pierce the bubble of the left and send the message that the situation was getting dire. How can people who ignored drowning toddlers, hundreds of bodies piling up, terrifying border crossings, not to mention the fentanyl streams, now pretend like they ever gave a single thought to the border since Biden took power? They never did. It was always dodge the catastrophe, pivot to Trump. 
A sweltering summer day in Texas, with the temperatures topping 100 degrees, contributing to one of the country's deadliest human smuggling cases in recent history. Quite a few of them are already deceased. The tragedy unfolding Monday in a rural part of San Antonio. 46 people found dead in the back of this stifling truck. The first call's coming in just before 6 p.m. The, the truck driver is running southbound on foot on, along the railroad tracks. Police say a local worker made the terrible discovery after hearing cries for help. Authorities found the abandoned semi-truck with its doors partially opened. We're not supposed to open up a truck and see stacks of bodies in there. Officials say the likely cause of death, heat stroke. During the Trump years, the migrants were constantly being dragged in front of cameras to help the Democrats with their pitch to oust Trump. They used children in cages, families, and the worst optics they could find to rally sympathy and condemn the right. AOC, who declared the detainment centers to be concentration camps, famously visited and said, quote, anyone who's using the word surge around you consciously is trying to invoke a militaristic frame, and that's a problem because this is not a surge. These are children and they are not insurgents, and we are not being invaded, end quote. But when Biden finally took power, the story went dark. No one was talking about the migrant families anymore on social media. That meant the Biden administration could safely ignore the problem, knowing they would never be called out by the media, even as the bodies piled up. Under Biden in 2021, they had the deadliest migrant crossings since the Missing Migrants Project began tracking them. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a chart that shows 2021 spike to 558 missing migrants. More crossings, more deaths. You'd think that alone might have waken up the Biden Democrats to do something, especially since most of them believe that it was Biden who invited them to come. His humanitarian approach meant if they showed up, they would be welcomed in. After so many tragedies of toddlers drowning in the river, sexual assaults, and those more nefarious goals like selling fentanyl, it was clear to anyone paying attention that the border was turning into a crisis that could not be controlled. The Biden Democrats, however, took the see-no-evil, hear-no-evil, speak-no-evil approach. This is one big reason why the DeSantis stunt sparked so much outrage on Twitter. Most of them including the residents of Martha's Vineyard, just have no idea what's really happening outside of their bubble. Maybe they see a report here or there, but it never becomes a real crisis because it never shows up on Twitter. The last time the border became a news story, it was when there was outrage over border agents who were supposedly caught whipping migrants. That turned out to be untrue. Yet in Biden world, they felt no need to apologize for smearing the reps of the agents says Jonathan Turley in a blistering op-ed, quote, After almost a year of investigation, the Biden administration announced the agents would be punished, even though investigators found no evidence that they whipped migrants, as Biden and many other politicians and pundits insisted, since the president declared, before an investigation had begun, that the agents would have to be punished, the agents had to be found guilty of something. So they were reprimanded for, quote, unprofessional conduct or working in an unsafe manner and derogatory language. Make no mistake, this is not about protecting migrants. It is about protecting a president, end quote. 
No outrage, though, for a president and a media who got it that wrong. A trail of catastrophic failures. It isn't that the people on the left or the legacy media don't care. They do care. They just don't care enough to do the rough business of properly running a country or a border. They can't get their hands dirty. They can't be like Trump, even if they've quietly been implementing Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. They have to be seen as the more humane side, even if it means one tragedy after another unfolding across the Rio Grande. Holding on to their moral superiority is so important. They can't even admit that Biden has been doing the same thing with migrants, sending them into various states throughout the country. They will say that they were prepared for them and the residents of Martha's Vineyard were not. But no self-respecting journalist should let them get away with that. I saw somebody on CNN try to say, sending 50 illegal aliens to wealthy Martha's Vineyard is reminiscent of the Holocaust. And I just thought to myself, uh, has the world gone totally mad? I mean, these are voluntary uh, transportation that they're signing up for, but they're given a, a good ride, they're given everything, and that's just, you know, it's a humane thing to do. What's not humane is what Biden is doing. He's false, given a false promise, the border's open, luring people to come here for political purposes, and then basically cutting these people loose and leaving high and dry. What he should say is, you know, our border's not open, uh, you know, there's ways to apply to come to this country, but just simply barreling across the border is not one of them. And I think you can trace all this back to him coming to office and reversing President Trump's policies, not because the, Trump's policies were wrong. It was all just a big virtue signal because they don't like Trump. So they have to do everything the opposite of him. Well, now I think we've seen with New York City and D.C., when they used to beat their chest when Trump was in office saying they were sanctuary jurisdictions, and then the minute Texas starts busing there, then they get very bent out of shape about it. And so let's just do good policy. I am happy that um, our, and these are just the beginning efforts. I mean, we've got an infrastructure in place now. There's going to be a lot more that's happening. But I'm glad that this has now put this issue on the front burner. Because it really should be on the front burner, because this is an intentional policy uh, that is having really negative implications for not just border communities, but for communities all across the country. The media has utterly failed in holding Biden to account for his border policies. Only Peter Ducey, a one-man Woodward and Bernstein, is brave enough to do the dirty job of asking hard questions. Why should somebody say in... Uh, Laredo, Texas, or El Paso, or Tucson, Arizona have to have their chance of catching COVID go up because hundreds of miles away, there is an open border. Well, there certainly is not an open border. Uh, we are continuing to employ our immigration proceedings and process and restrictions at the border. Final follow-up, you say the border is not open, but we're told by our teams on the ground, you guys are releasing pretty much all family units, couples where the woman says that she is pregnant or single women who say that they are pregnant and that nobody actually has to take a pregnancy test unless they want to. So are you suggesting you don't believe when women say they're pregnant? Is that a big issue we think at the border? I am not in charge of keeping the border secure. Do you, you think guys are. pregnant women are posing a big threat to the border? You tell me. To the border communities? You Is that a big me. issue? There's a big problem now that rainbow fentanyl, which is designed to target children, has been found in 18 states. What specifically is the president doing about this? But 300 overdoses a day now. 
We know how the fentanyl is coming into the country. It's coming right across the southern border. The DEA administrator says so. So when is the president going to do something? So I will say seizures are going down uh, at a rate not seen in a century. And part of that is being driven by drug overdoses. So what is the president going to do? And we, we agree. We, we have cameras today in Texas that are showing humongous groups of dozens or hundreds of migrants walking right into the country. So I'm curious what you meant last week when you said the border is closed. Uh, the board, what I meant is um, uh, precisely that. The border is closed. Uh, we are expelling uh, single adults and families under the Title 42 authority that rests with uh, the Center for Disease Control. Uh, and uh, we decided as an administration in furtherance of the president's direction to administer our immigration laws of this country in an orderly and safe and humane way that we will not expel unaccompanied children. Ducey, like everyone on the right, is cast as a conspiracy theorist, relentlessly mocked on Twitter. But Ducey understands his job as a journalist is to make the powerful uncomfortable. If you aren't doing that, you have no business sitting in White House press briefings. These are tough times. These are hard times. The last thing Americans need are the most privileged among us, bloviating about a migrant crisis they only noticed two seconds ago. Look at what it took just to get them to care. And even then, they only barely cared. Gavin Newsom used the moment to peacock as the left's only tough guy who isn't tough at all. The moral outrage was enough to power a whole city. Maybe that's the solution to climate change. Just make the left angry enough that they take to Twitter all day long. But it isn't fair that those who have the most have to care the least. Where Biden goes, a crisis soon follows. Twitter has become not a hub for news, but the reflecting pool of Narcissus to tell the alpha voices of the left how virtuous they are. Narcissus fell in love with his own image and stared at it for the rest of his life. And so too have the Biden Democrats fallen for their own publicity. And this is why Hollywood has reached a bottleneck. They can't tell the stories of everyday Americans now that those same Americans have been discarded as domestic extremists and racists. If they're the morally superior side, then the morally inferior side must be the silent majority. They try to tell those stories, but they always have to infuse them with their newfound religion to try to normalize it for the majority. They don't realize people are on to the game and have long since stopped tuning in. The left I once knew used to care about the working class, but now they only really care if they're also ideologically compliant. That's what Orwell's 1984 is about. They pretend to stand for equity and tolerance, but they don't really. I say, just a minute, just, just a minute, now hold on, Mr. Potter, just a minute. Now, you're right when you say my father was no businessman, I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny ante building alone, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character because his whole life was, why in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? He didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Probably... Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You, you said that they, what'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait, wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that they, do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about 
They do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. A walled-off aristocracy that cares only about their own image can't survive with a majority of forgotten people banging on the castle walls. They do themselves no favors in caring more about the image of Joe Biden where the migrants are concerned than either the migrants themselves or the working class forced to accommodate them. The Biden Democrats seem to need a reason to care beyond just the struggles of everyday life in a country with rising inflation, soaring costs at the grocery stores and spiking murder rates, violent assaults in the wake of their defund the police campaign. They've divided people up into categories to decide who matters and who doesn't. They care mostly about those whom they consider marginalized, but care the least about those who make up the majority in this country. This story from the summer of 2020 has stayed with me, even if it only has around 3,000 views on YouTube. It never became that big on social media. On the left, it was verboten to talk about any of the violent crime, but especially any victims who were white. You could almost get away with it if you talked about the many minority-owned businesses that had been destroyed. But there was no sympathy to be had for Sue's 100-year-old mattress store. This was a 100-year-old building, a family-run mattress store. For one man who risked his life defending it, it was much more than that. It's hard. <laughs> this is hard. She surveyed the damage up close for the first time today. Every inch of Sue Moniz and Keith McCarty's mattress store is destroyed. But they've had something else on their minds. Well, someone else. He's, he's teeny, but he loves fiercely and is, he, he's just my hero. I'm sorry, sir. I'm very sorry about that, man. Armed with nothing but a fire extinguisher, 70-year-old Robert Cobb tried to defend his friend Sue's shop from a group of arsonists and looters Monday night. They just threw a bottle at this guy. The whole thing was caught on camera. We want to warn our viewers it's difficult to watch. Fresh from a double bypass surgery, Robert was standing guard until someone punched him so hard in the face. No! that he collapsed to the sidewalk. I, I can't, I, I can't, and I can't even think about how bad it could have been. I mean, it's bad enough, they broke his jaw. Robert playfully dodged our cameras most of the day because he said he wants the story to be about how much the Kenosha community loves his friend Sue. It's funny because Sue said the story is about Robert's bravery. Either way, their reunion was beautiful. Robert's jaw was broken in two places and he went in for surgery this afternoon. She's my rock, my inspiration. Even though their shop is rubble. We will rebuild. And these owners say they found a silver lining in the violence and destruction that's ravaged their community. And that break in the clouds is a lifelong friend. This is stuff. I mean, it's devastating. It was my livelihood, a lot of memories, a lot of, you know. But, but it's, it's just stuff. I can't replace that man. That man's not just stuff. Almost three days later, the building is still smoking. The owners tell me they want to rebuild in a different location, but it's too soon to know the timeline. The Danish Brotherhood next door has invited them to move with them to be their neighbors again when they rebuild. Nothing in this country has been the same since that summer. It was a real revolution that impacted every major institution in this country. There was an America before 2020 and an America after 2020. Most of this just isn't discussed 
at least not on the left. Had things gone well when Biden took power, perhaps we would not be where we are now. But that isn't how it's gone, as Victor David Hansen lays out. There's a guy in rural Pennsylvania that his family had been four generations from World War II to Korea to Vietnam, and he was going to go over there and God knows where and die for this agenda. And that's how they existed. But when they take power and they destroy the energy industry, and when they uh, destroy the military, and when they destroy the reputation of the FBI, there's no there there anymore. And so the people who kept the country running and allowed these people to be professors and lawyers and media critics, they're the, the frill. They're the, the hair and the nails. They're not the muscles and the organs of the, of the organism. And when you start attacking those people that make the country run, and it's not just white, I'm not saying white, it's everybody of the middle and working muscular classes. They warred on them. And, uh, and when they, you don't want them in rebellion because they'll shut, we saw that during the COVID shutdown. When they stop working or when they, uh, you know, and half of them stopped working, they couldn't work, their businesses were destroyed. And then the other half were the only people that kept the country running. The Amazon del delivery, the guy who kept, uh, you know, he was still irrigating the, uh, the grape vineyard, the guy who was still out there welding. So that's who kept the country going. And uh, you, we all can't sit in our, our, our house, uh, terrified of COVID, live by Zoom and have somebody knock on the door with our dinner and our Amazon mm. delivery. That takes real people. And if you offend those people, as we are doing, and uh, it, what's the real revolutionary thing in the United States now is the left was so obsessed with race, it's almost that their hubris brought on nemesis because now what's happening, you're starting to see a subtle but definite trend that people who the left calls non-white feel there's a war against them. If you're a Mexican-American painter, or you have 10 people working in your electrician business, you don't want people going into your diocese and disrupting it over transgendered issues. You don't want partial birth abortion. You don't want critical race theory. You don't want somebody playing the knock-up game where they walk up to somebody and hit them in the head on a street in New York and they're out the same day. So they're offending those classes and they're creating a new a new political reality of class, I think, is starting to slowly reassert itself. And that if Republicans are wise, they'll be able to take advantage of that. Even if the media won't cover the dystopian nightmare this country is becoming at the hands of disconnected leaders, the people are noticing. Even Frank Luntz had to issue a dire warning. We are reaching a breaking point. Joe, I'm gonna take this opportunity. At some point, we break. We talk about it, we joke about it. The late night comedians have routines on it. We share our points of view, we pontificate, but at some point the country comes apart. And this is my warning to everyone viewing this right now. We are reaching a breaking point. We're reaching it politically in our inability to talk and listen to each other. We're reaching it economically in our inability to provide for ourselves and our families. We're reaching it socially with so many of these divisions. Mika, Joe, this is serious, this is significant. And someday I don't want us to look back on this moment and say, well, we heard it. We knew from Americans how they felt. 
but instead of solving the problems, we made them worse. God help us that that's how we look at this moment. America is in a very dark place right now, a dangerous place. It's hard to watch the people on the upper decks of the Titanic demand only favorable coverage of the messes they make that they expect others to clean up. The Biden Democrats and the blue checks on Twitter should not be surprised if Americans turn out in record numbers to send them packing before they turn this country into the kind of country those who migrate here are so desperate to escape. Yeah. We wrote a song. About Martha's Vineyard invasion. Mm, it's tragic. <laughs> Hashtag Martha's Vineyard strong. Pound Martha's Vineyard. Mm. Bring your hungry. Bring your weary. Bring your sick. And bring your poor. But keep your ass off Martha's Vineyard. Don't, don't come back no more. Thanks for listening to my Substack, and welcome to all new members who might be listening to this. The address is sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self be true.